the size of the tool never matters. It's always the technique. No. <laughs> That's good. You as a biologist should know that. Hey, hello, welcome. This is Chris Marquardt. And with me on the other side of the, well, it's not, it's not the ocean, but the continent almost, um, is Mario Acorone, explorer, expedition leader and guide. What else? Skipper, specialist for marine mammals. The, the list is endless. Hello, Mario. Hello, Chris. Good to hear you from up here in the Arctic. <laughs> yeah, um, our weather is much warmer than yours right now. I think we uh, summer has started and we had over 30 degrees at one day. Yeah, well, here, and uh, you're talking Celsius, of course. Uh, yes. Here we are in the Arctic. I'm sitting here at home in Tronso in northern Norway and uh, we have uh, at the moment actually sunshine but uh, the temperatures are up on like uh, 10 12 degrees celsius oh so you are you are above the um what is it the oh i forgot again the line mm, yeah. the, the line that defines the arctic yes the iso iso isotherm the isotherm the uh, july isotherm yes <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. No, we we actually not we are actually below the July isotherm that the that the that defines the Arctic. But uh, happy here in northern Norway, thanks to the Gulf Stream. Oh, uh, so you have but, special uh, weather conditions where you live? We have we are actually quite warm conditions for being so far north the Arctic Circle. Well, actually, but, I should uh, say weather conditions. The, I should say climate conditions. I always mix those two up. Yes, that's right. Climate and weather are two different things. Yes, they are. But uh, we have had uh, already the episode about. Um, about the climate, about the Arctic, um, but uh, and this time we're going to be talking about beer seals. Which is one of the most fascinating things I've experienced over the last years. Uh, now this goes back to us being on the Nordlicht up in, in around Svalbard, and at one evening I remember you pulled out this little box and a little thing on a long cable And it was a hydrophone. It was something to record underwater. And you switched the little speaker on and there were these... Should we just play the sound for a second? Yes, let's play that. Yes. This sounds like it's 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 from a science fiction movie. What what's happening here? What are we hearing? Well, we are hearing uh, part of uh, there is uh, the ma the main uh, modulation here of the sounds is whistling is the sounds of the bearded seals. Would they whistle And like like we do? <laughs> Well, it's unknown how they are doing it, but they are not uh, probably not emitting uh, air. Okay. Uh, so they are transferring air from one air sac to another air sac. So that, that's the whistling the sound we're hearing. Um, yeah. That we we're not even talking about the underlying other sounds that we're hearing here, like the splashing of water and clicking and stuff. But this. Yeah, all the sounds from this ship. and uh, <laughs> Exactly. The, uh, there is there's some generator running on the ship that is clearly um, mm. audible. Let's take this step by step. Let's start in the, in the beginning. Um, I would like to talk about this little machine that you have that record these uh, that does the recordings what is that 
Well, it's uh, it's a hydrophone setup, a very simple hydrophone setup, and uh, it is composed of uh, a microphone that is a watertight uh, microphone that goes underwater on uh, my um, recorder. Uh, which is a digital that, recorder, which you would also use to like record interviews or something. But you can plug that in, and then that's what uh, records the sound. And then you have a little output, and that goes into a little speaker, so you can hear it. So that's a fairly yeah, simple so a, setup. Uh, yeah, a very small, simple setup. It's a small, um, active uh, speaker on the other side, just of the kind that you can get to play but, music from your mobile phone. But super yeah. effective. I mean... The the sound, especially those frequencies that the that the bearded seals emit, um, get transferred just beautifully. Yeah, that's uh, that's really nice. And uh, and the um, the advantage of of this uh, setup is that it's very portable. So you can take it away with you on like when you're traveling to the other side of the world or up to the Arctic, and uh, and then you can uh, open up what uh, uh, like a total new world. What what the Jacques Cousteau had uh, called the Le Monde du Silence, the uh, silent <laughs> world, which is actually not very silent. When you're it's... underwater, there are loads of sounds. That that was one of the surprises, because, of course, I rarely stick my head underwater and then try to hear what's going on. Uh, and, and I pr probably couldn't even hear what's going on underwater because there's like air involved and there's like different media involved. Um, so th there's an enormous amount of stuff going on there. I mean, there is an enormous amount of stuff, and not it's, just the yeah, seals. We'll sure. talk about them a bit more. But there is like, I remember in front of a glacier. That's the, let me let me play that sound just here. Um, what what yeah. the glacier sounds like. That is, that doesn't sound. That doesn't sound like it's recorded underwater. It sounds like it's recorded in a cave. Yeah, you have the uh, the sounds of the uh, water dripping from the glacier. Now we are uh, relatively uh, late in the season, uh, or like we are uh, at the end of winter, beginning well, mid in the middle of the thaw, and. Um, and we have um, the water dripping from the glacier, uh, and then we have all the the uh, air bubbles that are compressed into the ice uh, from the glacier that uh, pop, and so <laughs> it's like a fizzy sound on the background. It's just it's just mind-boggling. So yeah, it's a it's a fantastic uh, thing to listen to, and of course this is uh, just uh, just one of the sounds that you can get uh, and. Uh, and actually, for uh, listening to what's happening underwater, sometimes we have uh, the possibilities of uh, using uh, objects that are in between the underwater and the air. So, like, for example, there are people saying that uh, to listen to bearded seals that have a, a nice uh, frequency range here um, that um, can be picked up by uh, an oar that is put into the water and you can have the oar transmitting the sound uh, to the side of the of the ship if it's a hard hull 
or uh, like we were listening uh, during the night, um, you can be in your cabin and the hull of the ship actually acts as a resonance uh, so, chamber. So, so he, here's a little anecdote. We are uh, up on deck. You have the hydrophone in the water. We're listening to the bearded seal, which again is just amazing to hear, especially if if you haven't he heard that before. And then um, it's nighttime. We go to sleep in our cabins, and that sound keeps going on and my thought was oh mario is playing the recordings back now because yes. i could hear it as if as if you were having that if you, if, as if you had that speaker in the next door cabin um but you didn't you, it was just the bearded seals that we could hear through the steel hull of the ship in our cabins which made for like one of the most amazing lullabies that i mean I've, i slept like a baby with your bearded seal singing around yes. us because you didn't think that it was uh, mermaids that were well, trying to charm you is that is that the origin of the the sirens and the mermaids uh, all those tales the sailors tales could that be the, the yeah, origin well, probably i imagine um, now one of the famous uh, stories about uh, mermaids is the one that is uh, narrated in the Odyssey, where Odysseus uh, tries to, or Ulysses, uh, tries to uh, listen to the charming sound of, uh, of, the, uh, of the mermaids, and he's uh, bound, he, he lets himself be tied up to the mast of the ship, and, um, and he puts uh, earplugs in, like wax earplugs in the, uh, in the ears of everybody else on board because he really wanted to listen to this. And in the Mediterranean, where he was traveling, um, there have been uh, quite a big population of uh, monk seals. And monk seals are um, also very vocal. They are so vocal that uh, um, the, uh, there are a lot of places around the Mediterranean where there are caves that are um, used by uh, bearded seals for uh, by uh, monk seals by, for reproduction. And these uh, caves are called uh, the cave of the uh, uh, sea cow or uh, something like this, uh, something like the Vaumarin in, uh, in French or Bue Marino in, uh, in Italian. And these are, um, are caves that um, resonate of these uh, mooing of the, of the monk seals. Wow. So, so, so uh, let's, let's go on to the bearded seals. So the bearded yeah. seals do these kind of sounds and, and just, yeah, again, blew me away. Um, and you said they do this by transferring air between two air sacs. Why are they doing it this way? Well, um, as a diving mammal, uh, so an air-breathing mammal, uh, being uh, underwater and producing sound um, uh, has to be done uh, without uh, letting out any air, if possible. And um, because the air is important to keep the integrity of the lungs and the, uh, and the, uh, and the body. So, like any diver knows, if you are down underwater and uh, you let out the air that you have in your body, then the dimensions of the air of the of the lungs uh, can change, uh, of the air spaces in the lung can change, and that may cause problems with the with the with the ascension and the resurfacing again. Oh, okay. So, uh, so they they kind of have to preserve that balance somehow. Yeah, in uh, one one 
one way of looking at it is that if you have some air in your lungs and you go deep, you have a certain buoyancy. Or even if you are at the surface, you have a certain buoyancy. If you leave the air out, if you let the air out of your body... Like, like if I whistle, in, if I do whistling. Like normally, yeah, if you do your whistling, then you will become uh, denser. So the air spaces inside your body will decrease and uh, you become denser so you will tend to be uh, to sink yeah. to sink and then it will be more difficult for you to come up oh so they they are pretty much not changing the amount of air they're just transferring it between those yes. air sacs then that's smart and that's smart and uh, it's a little bit like if you take a balloon and you open up the uh, the uh, like you stretch the opening into like two phonic lips mm -hmm. and you make these sound with a balloon um, with a with a just normal rubber balloon, well, they uh, are probably doing the same with their with their uh, air sacs in the throat. Cool. So what we're hearing here is just like one bearded seal, maybe a second one from a nearby fjord answering. Um, so they do apparently use that for communication. Um, I went online on YouTube and and searched for bearded seal sounds, and I found this one uh, video with a couple of guys on a on an ice float, and yeah, nice so so there was there was no like engine sounds or anything nearby, and then they recorded bearded seals with a hydrophone, and it must be I don't know a hundred bearded seals probably mating season or something and you can it's just amazing the sound i mean yeah this is the the most surreal thing i've i've ever heard yeah that's the um that's the the, the male bearded seals um emit uh, these sounds um um for minutes and it's uh, probably just uh, advertising that they are there so it's uh, something that is uh, kind of a, a lek uh it's called lek uh like a uh, copper kaylee will do um so they are defining a territory they are placing themselves in the middle of the territory and trying to attract the females and uh, and at the same time defending territory from other other animals of the same other males of the same species so when, when so they're they more are, than they one are, when when they're more than one is there is are they all also like trying to be louder than the other ones to to overpower well, the sound or more beautiful or more eerie uh -huh. but uh, but they are um, they are actually like saying here i am and uh, it's me um, the sound uh, might have something to do with the or the length of the sound might have to do something with the uh, capacity of the the physical capacity of the, of the male so advertising that if you are singing for a long time then you are like more fit and so come over to the one that sings longest and uh, actually at the um, uh, as they as they sing they usually dive in in a spiral uh, they dive very slowly in a spiral uh, going down towards the bottom and uh, and sometimes they actually do release some bubbles of air uh, it has been observed that they do also release some bubbles of air, but not, uh, as far as I know, not as many bubbles that will be justified for the uh, for the production of this sound. Hmm. And then, uh, and then they they once they define this uh, this uh, territory, this uh, cylinder uh, of water from the surface down to the bottom or to where they are going down, then they they come up in the middle of it, 
And this is one way the uh, the hunters can the the Inuit uh, in Greenland, for example, in Alaska, they or in Canada, they they can go and uh, and find out that there is a bearded seal that would come up here in the middle, and then they can hunt them. Oh wow! Okay. Wow, I'm. <laughs> I'm blown away. I mean, the, the, since I heard them, I want to go back and hear them again, live, like in real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic animal and actually quite, uh, quite interesting. And the, uh, uh, especially at the beginning of, this, of the summer, um, when they are having their, their courtship and mating, then it's, uh, it's a time to go out and, uh, and enjoy. So where and when can people hear the bearded seals best? Well, it's, uh, I would say that, well, the... Uh, the where, where do they live? Uh, it, are they it, just it, in it, the Arctic? Are they uh, anywhere else the, on the planet? The, the, the bearded seal lives, it's a circumpolar uh, Arctic species. So there are two subspecies. Um, one is... Um, the one that goes from like the middle of Siberia over to uh, Svalbard and Greenland and the eastern part of the of the Canadian archipelago and all the way down to uh, Newfoundland actually and uh, touching the coast of Norway, Iceland on the south and the whole of Hudson Bay for example so we are going and including Ellesmere and Baffin Island and Devon Island and then we have the other subspecies that goes uh, west from the line uh, west of uh, of Ellesmere, uh, Devon, and Baffin Island, and over to uh, the northern territories and Alaska, and uh, the uh, the uh, tip of Siberia. And actually, coming down uh, in the south, it's uh, most of the uh, uh, like they are probably distributed north of the Aleutians and the uh, Kamchatka. Uh, including all the coastal Kamchatka and the Sea of Okhotsk, and they are quite, um, they're quite so a, a circumpolar species. There are not that many of them. I mean, we have uh, it's uh, nobody knows about how many um, how many uh, deer seals are in the in the in the world, but uh, like uh, a, an extrapolation. From the few areas where they have been counted by surveys, uh, there might be uh, around uh, 750,000 individual uh, and um, 750,000, and probably half a million are in the uh, in the population in the American uh, Siberian population. While 250 are probably 250,000 are probably in the uh, in the uh, population in the North Atlantic in the arctic uh, part <laughs> I, of the north atlantic i think we'll at one point i remember you doing a talk about uh how to count uh those different kind of species up there 
and how difficult that is. Um, I think we should do an entire episode just on counting animals. I think that would probably cover yeah. cover at least an entire episode. Yeah, um, maybe maybe we could take it next. <laughs> we'll we'll check in the future. In the near future, there's going to be something about uh, estimating the abundance of uh, of marine mammals. It will maybe come. Also birds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, um, I think that covers it unless we forgot anything important that you wanted to add uh well yeah you said something about uh about when they sing and it's uh, it's usually during the spring so uh so once we know where the seals are um um then uh, it's uh, getting out there in the spring and um and usually it's uh, close to ice areas ice covered areas the seals uh, this species actually likes to come up on the ice and uh and rest and dry out. And the interesting part about the bearded seal is, uh, like, part of the name of the bearded seal is that uh, it has very long mustache, or mustache albibrisse. It's a very logical name. Yeah, and uh, and they are they are they are long and uh, very peculiar. They can get uh, a little bit curly on the end i have that and on one of my photos where where yes. like you can clearly see the end of the tip of the of the the beard the bearded beard hair gets gets curly yeah exactly and and the drier they get the more curly they get so it's like a hygrometer <laughs> you know like these uh, hair hygrometer uh, so uh you can see how long a seal, a bearded seal, has been hauled out and dry by looking at how curly the uh, <laughs> the end of their of its mustache is. That's a, that's a cool place to stop this episode. Let's everyone, let's everyone uh, go home with that image. I will, I will try to find this photo and put it on the on the episode somewhere, so you can uh, see it. I will link it from there. All right, that was Great. episode number seven of Curiously Polar. Uh, lots of stuff planned to come up. If you found this somewhere um, that is not on our website, you can go to curiouslypolar.com and find all the other episodes and also the ones in the future. And of course, you can subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts and get us automatically in your ears once a week. Um, I think that's it. Mario? Stay cool. Yeah, Chris, stay cool. <laughs>